Questions? Have you noticed or do you remember when your children were little and they asked those wonderful, simple questions about God? What does God look like? Where does he live? Does God have hair? Why can't I see God? Does God eat spaghetti? I remember tucking in the kids one night, the boys, when our boys were little. And I had been talking to them that day for some reason about God is everywhere. So one of my sons had it in his mind. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And I was tucking him in and he said, Dad, if God is everywhere, then he's under my bed. What do you think he's doing under there? Instantly, the answer came to me. I said, ask your mother. <laughs> She's always been, for 51 years of our marriage, a quicker thinker than I am. I knew she'd have a good answer. So we're in this new series about questions. And the series actually came out of a meeting when we were listening, especially Carla and Alice were listening to some young congregational members ask about their questions last spring. And that's where we kind of got this series and uh, the series focuses on several questions that were up on the screen. Is the church worth it anymore when we see so much in the church we don't agree with? Or we think it's going the wrong direction? Is faith in God actually true and worth it anymore? Is the gospel of Christ really worth it when there's so much evil and polarization in the world? And is trying to read the Bible... When it's so long and so complicated and so crazy in spots, is it worth it? So we're asking this questions for a month. And uh, I believe that for some of you, this is like dead center of what's on your mind. Is it still worth it to get up on Sunday morning and come to church? Or isn't it worth it? And is it still worth it? to support and participate in the local church when, uh, when I get news apps and they say all kinds of crazy things happening in the church. Is it worth it? And the first point I'd like to make this morning is this one, and we have it on the slide. Questions play an important role in our life journey with Jesus. Questions. They're important in our role. And I would say spiritual growth is actually answering the same questions over and over and over again. Someone was praying in backstage after I told him what I was teaching, and he was saying, I need to answer that question every day. So spiritual growth is answering, re-answering the questions, and uh, spiritual questions are different at different places in your journey with Jesus, right? So um, when uh, some of us, when things are going really, really well, your question might be something like that, like this. God, do I actually need you anymore? Do I, do I need you right now? Are you significant to my life? Because it seems like things are going really well for me. But when things are falling apart, your questions change. Carla already said one out of five people, we believe, come in here with some kind of a broken heart. Last week, I was talking to a lady in the back row. She said, Dave, I don't think my heart could be any more broken. And then she told me about her family situation, which was really, really tough. And the questions in that situation are, God, where are you? God, do you have the power to help me? Why don't you do some more? When you're facing a disappointment or a discouragement, our question might be, 
God, can you take some of this grief or pain away? Or at least, someone asked me this question, could God just tell me how long the pain will go on? And when our prayers go unanswered, did you hear me, God? Do you even care? And maybe someday you're at a hospice house with a loved one, and the question comes for the group that are there. I wonder what life after death is really like. Right? Right? So questions are important, and they're a part of our journey. And we're going to re-ask them over and over. I've, I've said several times up front that when our family had their tragedy and I was driving to Florida, I had to work my way through Questions after leading this church for 20 years or 25 years, I had to work my way through the questions. God, are you actually real? God, do you actually love me? God, why tragedies, right? So there are questions. Uh, and the question I want to answer this morning is this one. Uh, is it worth following Jesus and participating in the church anymore? Is it worth following Jesus and? The and is important there. I, it's, it's in yellow. It's like all caps. Uh, and there's a reason for that. And the reason is these two parts of the question, at one point, I thought you could divide them. In my 20s, I was a little uh, frustrated with the church. Uh, it seemed uh, traditional and old and stale. And I was called to be a teacher and a coach, and I was called to uh, share the good news of the gospel, I felt, with uh, teenagers. And in my journey, in those days, I thought I could divide the question. Even though the church had given me my foundation for faith, actually even this church had given me my foundation for faith, even though people in the church had planted these seeds of faith and had loved me well, in my 20s, I got frustrated with the church. Some of you, I mean, I know you and some of you were around way back then and you were frustrated with the church too. And so when I felt called to work with teenagers, I didn't do it through the work of the church. I did it through this outside parachurch organization called Youth for Christ. I aligned myself with that organization because I thought the church was lethargic and slow to respond and unable to change and ineffective in reaching teenagers. But what I discovered was even as a staff with this parachurch organization, I needed the church. It's crazy. Where did my volunteers for that youth ministry come from? The church. Where did my money to raise my budget so I could hire staff and we could reach kids in multiple high schools come from? The church. Where did the kids need to go to raise their own families later when they were following Jesus? The church. So even though I thought I could divide the question, you can't. Today, many of you are asking this question because you see so much broken in the church. You read the crazy stuff. Pastors across our nation sometimes say and do. You read about the evil of child abuse within the ranks of the church. Big personality pastors sometimes take money from widows so they can have jet airplanes and million-dollar mansions. And it frustrates you, and it frustrates me. Especially, uh, it's needed when we see more famous church leaders have moral collapses, which we see, you know, every year for sure. 
The answer is especially important to us because four weeks ago, Jeff Mickey stood right here and he said, as he was talking about our church, there are people in our church and there are people in this room right now who have very different opinions about matters that are important to some people. With all that going on, is it worth following Jesus and supporting and participating and supporting the church anymore? So what I would like to do is now, I would love to have a cup of coffee with each of you and sit down and have a conversation about the issues. But instead of that, I'm going to give you my answers. I would eventually get to with that cup of coffee. And so the first answer is, is it worth following? And I want to say yes. The church is still God's hands and feet doing good work. Uh, Matthew 16, 18. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter. He's talking to Peter, and he's just asked Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And so we believe as Protestants, uh, when Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, it's the rock of his confession, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You, I, Jesus says, will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Who does the church belong to? Jesus. Who's the owner of the church? Jesus. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. So the church is going to win. The church is going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and therefore it's worth it to support the work of the church. Come on, Dave. You know the church is more messed up today than it ever has been. No, it's actually not. It's been messed up since the beginning. Since Jesus called those 12 guys, it's been messed up. In the New Testament alone, there's like letters to churches where it's going, tell your leaders to stop sleeping with, his, with your brother's wife. Tell the congregation to quit eating all the communion bread before everybody served. Tell, I mean, it's been messed up since day one. And there's a reason for that. It's you and me. We're messed up. We're sinful followers of Christ. Now, the church is uh, both an invisible organism and a visible organization. Uh, invisible organism, we, the Bible calls it the body of Christ. Here's a verse, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, you are, the church, the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. You're a unit. You have an important part to play. You have gifts and talents you need to use for the church. Yes, it's worth it. The invisible organism of the church, the body of Christ, is incredible. It's in every neighborhood, every workplace, every school, every hospital, every factory, every Walmart store. There's a piece of the body of Christ in there. The invisible organism of the church is on the move doing good. Loving people every single day across the world, saying kind words, giving donations to feed the poor, loving our children, uh, caring for the sick, doing their work. The church is awesome and broken. 
And it's got crazy people in it. But it's worth it. Both the invisible organism and the visible organization are important. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, and let us encourage one another. So I watched closely last Sunday and this morning, because what happens on a Sunday morning is the invisible church surfaces, and we gather together. So it's out doing its thing in all these occupations, all these places, and then on Sunday morning it comes together. So I've been watching for two weeks now what happens when we come together. And it's incredible, the pictures and the stories of what we see. Now, the church is so much more than the gathering on Sunday mornings, but the gathering on Sunday mornings plays a role. A role of encouragement. So I walk out in the lobby this morning, and there are two widows, two widowers, uh, Bob Brown and Stan Paterni, standing by the doors, greeting you as you came in. Big smile, firm handshake, a word of encouragement. I saw some kids try to get by Bob Brown. That wasn't going to happen. Get back here. Bob Brown's hilarious. I know he's in here somewhere. Every time he hears I'm teaching, he grabs my hand and he says, Dave, now don't be teaching about sin today, which is Bob's reverse psychology way of saying, don't be afraid of teaching the hard stuff. Last Sunday, I was grabbed by an assistant principal of one of our schools out in the lobby, and she shook my hand, and she goes, Dave, the story you told about junior high kids last week, we told a story about a special needs guy who got to win a race because the other kids were emotionally smart. Really? She said, that happens on junior high campuses all the time, Dave. Keep telling those stories. When we gather together, there's encouragement. There's friendship. I saw mom and dad bringing in their four kids and trotting them down and getting them in. Great adventure for those people, kids' ministry, for those people who could love them. Sunday mornings are something. If we have eyes to see, Ken Miller, I mean, he's been a friend of mine forever. He sits in the back row back here, comes in with his walker, and then his friends surround him. Last Sunday, he's wearing a Hawkeye shirt. It's just beaming. He wants to tell me all about it. He has friends here. But it's not just on Sunday morning when the church surfaces. Wednesday morning, I came over early to meet with the senior leaders. And there was a crowd of uh, cars in the parking lot. There was a crowd of people in here. I put my head in that door. And it's the Habitat for Humanity fundraising like breakfast. And they're telling their stories. And I put my head in, and one of our elders is up here uh, making the pitch for Habitat for Humanity. The room's full, and they're using our facility because we can do it online too. And they've got lots of people who didn't come in that morning but are online watching. Habitat's one of our partners. If I hadn't stumbled in here, that would have been invisible to me. I wouldn't have known that we had five staff people come in at 6.30 that morning to help Habitat reach their goals. The church matters. The church is worth it. And that night, Wednesday night, you, you, it's so easy to forget this. Wednesday night, uh, this gym is filled with high school people. And the Nazareth gym is filled with junior high people. 
and seeds of truth are being planted. It's worth it. Jesus asked this same question, or a question very similar to Peter. And here's Peter's answer. It's on our next slide. Is it worth it following Jesus and participating in the church? And Peter's answer was, yes, where else would you turn? Here's the scripture of it. Um, uh, Jesus had done some hard teaching. Some disciples had left him. This is John 6. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus turned and asked the 12. And then here's Peter's answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else is there to go? To get hope, help, comfort, and truth. You tell me. Where else would you turn? Uh, One of the things I hear often with people walking through grief, maybe burying a loved one after an accident, is how do people without faith get through this? Those families are agreeing with Peter. Where else would you turn? Of course it's worth it to support the church. Even though it's broken, even though it has crazy people in it, even though it's filled with sinful people, it's worth it. Where else would you turn? Again, when the church surfaces on a Sunday morning, I see friendship and camaraderie, I see connection, like-mindedness, singing and worshiping God. Where else can you do that? Hebrews 10, 25, I'll read it again. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not forget the meeting together. Volunteers around here, the bands, the greeters, the coffee shop people, the the people who love our children on a Sunday morning, laughing, serving, praying, telling stories, inviting others in, Deeper fellowship happens in the church than most other places. Fellowship that's good for your life happens here. Now, I know so many of you know this. It's just a reminder. Where else would you go? And the last reason I'd like to give why it's worth it is, uh, yes, it's worth it because this is God's plan for getting his message. Here's the verse. Uh, My prayer, this is Jesus, John 17, one of his last and longest prayers. My prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through the message of the disciples, that, and that's us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Could the church be one? And may they also be in us, following us, so that, what? The world may know that you have sent me. I don't know why God uh, does a lot of things. 
A lot of what God does is a mystery to all of us and to me. Why would he use this group of people and other congregations across the Cedar Valley and the world, why would he use us to get out the message? Why would he use us to be the message? Why would he use us loving each other to be what would draw the world to Jesus? Don't know. I think he could have found a better plan. (laughs) But he didn't. And he's God and he gets to do what he wants. Is it worth participating and supporting the church of Jesus Christ? Yes, it is. Do we have to get past our impatience with the church? Do we have to get past the brokenness? Do we have to get past the distraction that some of this stuff causes? Yes. We have to have eyes to see that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. We have to have eyes to see we're the message of Jesus. We have to have eyes to see there's nowhere else to turn. If I'm a teacher and there's a teacher in our school who's kind of past their prime and kind of irate with kids and maybe they should have retired a couple years ago, What does that do to my heart as a teacher? Do I give up on teaching? No. I work harder to love kids. I work harder to be a good teacher. If I'm a lawyer, and one of the lawyers down the street manipulates his clients and does something illegal and gets disbarred, does that cause me not to want to be a lawyer? No. It motivates me to be a better lawyer. If I'm a doctor, and a doctor, you know, gets, uh, is, is using drugs in a poor way at his patients and giving too many prescriptions, does that make me quit being a doctor? No. I'm going to be a better doctor. I'm going to love my patients better. So, if you're a church member, and there's some crazy church member out doing crazy stuff, what's the motivation? Do I quit the church? No. No, I'd be the best church member I can be for Jesus. <sighs> Important word, because the church belongs to Jesus. I will build my church, he said. One more just closing thought. I've been so struck by a thought, small things, done often are not small things. A lot of what you do for the church probably feels like a small thing. You know, Kevin, you do your canoeing ministry. Probably feels like a small thing. Just in the summer. Just an email. Sometimes two people. Sometimes 12 people. Small things done often, regularly, for years, are not small things. So you're a greeter once a month. And when you come to greet, you do your very best. Small things done often are not small things.
Is it worth it to follow Jesus and support and participate in the church? You bet. It is. Let me pray. Father, you've done so much to establish your church. And we are grateful for your church. We are so grateful for what it's meant in our lives and the lives of our kids and our grandkids and for what it's meant in our neighborhood. We're so grateful, Father, that we can come here and worship you and pray to you with others who are like-minded. Even though we don't agree on everything, that's fine. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a part of your church. And Father, in just a couple minutes, we're going to celebrate communion and father as we eat the bread and drink the juice could we deeply 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 be reminded that it's worth it because Jesus gave it all for us in his name we pray amen